Welcome to IdeaGen TV. Today, we are ecstatic to have with us Peter Fadelnik, Minister Counselor for Digital Economy Policy at the delegation of the European Union to the United States. Peter, welcome. And so every partnership needs a big picture context. The framework in which the partnership is ground. What does that mean to you, Peter? Mm. I think the last few years uh, working in foreign policy have have taught us that uh, we, we are living in a world we are living in a world where we have to deal with countries which are partners on the one hand competitors in many ways and in fact politically systemic rivals at the same time some of these old notions of like don't like are not working in that in 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 that framework anymore. Uh, like and not like are not words to be used in that in that concept. So how do you pursue partnerships like on climate change, where I think there is a huge partnership worldwide, while fiercely competing in in the technology sector, for instance, where we are fighting for jobs, jobs in Europe, jobs in America, jobs in China, jobs in India, or wherever. Uh, while actually some of those countries are not sharing the same value system. And if a country doesn't share the same value system, doesn't, does it mean that you are not competing or competing more? Or does it mean you're not partnering on some of the things where you can partner? So there's a lot to unpack here. In the last few years, I think, at least in Europe, have, have given us the time that, okay, we need to go back and think about those things deeply and understand how do we do that. And, and whether we actually want to do that. Now, the decision has been made uh, that, that we want to work with, part, with countries where we are partner, where we are uh, competitors, and where we are systemic rivals at the same time. There's no problem. I think we have to find a solution to that. Of, of course, I'm sort of talking about a theoretical level here. I, I understand that because it's a very hard sell to, to industry it's a very hard sell to a general public where very often um, more simple logic tend, tend to sell better or prevail. So the question of why partner with an enemy is, is hard to answer. I, I agree with that. But these are, these are sort of the framework questions we have and we need to deal with. And I don't think it's, it's more a political decision that we are doing it rather than uh, a philosophical research we need to do no i think the political decision can be made that we are doing it and we're just taking a bit of the language out of, of many of the things so we're because if you talk to a partner you you have to be careful how you characterize that partner then if it's a systemic rival uh, so these sort of things don't bode very well in in one conversation but there are ways to deal with this and i think this is where europe would like to show some modest leadership in in how this could be working and I'm certain that the new commission under the leadership from President Ursula von der Leyen has a very strong interest to go in this direction and has started actually working on it. We have seen some work with China, but that's maybe what you see in the headlines. The more important work we do here, for instance, is with Africa and East Asia. Well, and what I see is profound, Peter, is you're describing diplomacy. Therein lies the role of diplomats and the work that you do at the delegation of the EU, the European Union to the United States. It's, 
helping to articulate that partnership to, you know, contextualize, you know, the work that you're doing and help to contextualize it not only for other governments, but also for, for the public, you know, the private sector, for NGOs that may not understand exactly the methodology that goes into this. But at the very baseline, I think diplomacy is also a key part or has a key part in it of civility, of empathy, of all the things that the key buzzwords that you're hearing today that we've been talking about for so many years at IdeaGen, which is to not necessarily, you can disagree with someone, even if they're a rival, but to understand where they're coming from. Because if you're not communicating at all, uh, that may have its own issues and dangers as well. So you have to keep lines of communication open um, and you have to understand where someone is sitting and where they're coming from. You may disagree with it and that's fine. Um, and I think, you know, the EU has always been um, a, a standard setter in, in empathy and civility. And that's, it's remarkable when you have all these nations coming together as we see uh, for the common good of the people in Europe. And what I always find really inspiring is how valued the relationship is with the United States. It's always mentioned by the ambassador, your current ambassador, previous ambassadors, and it's it's really out of that mutual respect that comes out of this long-term relationship with the EU and the United States. So I, I personally find that to be inspiring, despite, you know, it doesn't matter who's in government and who's leading, the EU stands firm in appreciating and respecting this time-honored, time-tested relationship, this friendship, if you want to call it that. And, and so... What would you say, Peter, are the priorities around building this transatlantic partnership? What, what do you see as the pillars of that partnership? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and in December, the European Union has made a proposal to, to work with the United States on, on a number of, of strands or, or initiatives. Now, I have to say right away that uh, we, we're here in January and we haven't had yet the full conversation with our counterparts and colleagues here in the U.S. administration. So that will take time until they come back. And as you know, it needs two to tango. So what I'm suggesting here is still at the level of a suggestion. But you will see probably makes a lot of sense. And it's not surprising. It's, it's for four strands around which we would like to develop a patch of actions. The first one is working together for a healthy world. Uh, that's COVID-19 and beyond. Uh, COVID-19 is the crisis at hand, but there is a health crisis in the making, no question. And, and what we want to work with the United States is, is putting back a global system where future health crises should not come out as extreme as they do these days. The second line of work is working together to protect our planet and prosperity. Uh, I hope you appreciate that I have put the words protect planet and prosperity into one phrase, because these are not exclusive terms. They are not mutually exclusive. Uh, and this is what we have put as a European strategy. This is, I think, what we have seen as well. 
from the new Biden administration by joining the Paris Accord. There is a merit in turning your economy into more climate friendly in protecting the planet. You can make money through that as well. The third line is working together on technology, trade and standards. And that's not surprising as trade shifts from, from goods uh, to, to more to services and becomes more digital. We really haven't adapted the whole trade conversation to this new reality at this stage. There's a lot we have to talk on on technology. We are much less worried about Im importing or exporting bicycles or, or other physical goods. They're important, but the core of our industry will be more around the, the digital services. And the last one and the fourth one is working together towards a safe and more prosperous and more democratic world. And that comes down to, you know, if the EU and the United uh, States uh, align or speak similar language on topics, people around the world are listening. They're, they're hearing that. They're seeing that if these two have, have see issues this way, that's maybe merits a reflection. So our influence not just doubles, this is where synergy comes into play. Our influence almost increases infinitely if we work together on the issues. And there are maybe small elements, each and every one of the four I have. And on the last one, for instance, we have to make some of the international organizations work better. I mean, for instance, the World Trade Organizations has to work better. So, and now we can go into detail. I don't know, George, if you want to pick any of the subjects that we go a bit further into them, or we, we move on in our conversation. Well, Peter, you know, I think what, what I'd like to hear is it's great in practice. All of this is great in practice, but how will this be done? What would be a specific action that you would suggest? And I'd like to hear more about the WTO and, and how, you know, we can have a more robust opportunity in that realm. In fact, if you look at the document and um, now I haven't counted them precisely, but in total, you would find some 40 to 50 actions which are falling into these four different categories. So there is a lot of proposals we already have prepared and are ready to, to have conversation. I just pick some. Um, I, I, one, one is that we want to open a transatlantic conversation on online platforms responsibility. I've picked that example because it's just so so prevalent in today's conversation. After what has happened on the 6th of January, I think it, it was a bit of a litmus test. It was a revelation also for many people here in the US that action is needed. It's not that we want to destroy these companies or rein in what they're doing or, or, or change their business model. That's never the problem. You know, right, let me say clearly here, we need the internet. We need big companies who structure the internet for us so that we as users can consume it in, a, in an easy way. Small companies need the internet in order to reach their customers. They need those marketplaces. So that's not the problem. The idea is great, which each of these companies have implemented. But it needs as well now more rules on how this idea is implemented in a fair and equitable way. I think we have seen that on the 6th of January, almost a knee-jerk reaction by the tech industry. That's, that's not what we would have expected from, from companies so long in this business. 
with such an ability to generate technology and knowledge. Uh, I, I think here it's quite clear that we would like to work with the US on, on a rule book, not to regulate content, not to regulate what is being sold, but to regulate and, and push companies to have more elaborated processes. It's the process which makes a difference, not the content. And companies, I think, have underinvested or have underestimated the challenge they are facing here. So this is one area. Another one where I, I, I think, which is sort of more obvious, uh, we want to have a wider co uh, cooperation and conversation on critical technologies and digital supply chains. The last few years, we have been sort of finding out that maybe, for instance, in the, in the 5G area, that, that we were sourcing too much from, from areas where we think there is a risk associated with it. Uh, so how do we rebuild or rebalance supply chains, which are worldwide and continue being worldwide, but to give our security, our national and economic security and the prosperity we want for our territories? And these are not easy questions because uh, slapping a tariff on one thing or prohibiting the export of, of another good, uh, that is not fixing the problem. That's just an immediate answer or, or trying to find an immediate answer. The longer term answer has to be a more political way of, you know, how flat is the world and how are we seeing that flat world in the future? Peter, profound, profound insights. And, and certainly I'm certain appreciated by those across the planet watching this interview during the Dynamic Resiliency Summit. Back to values, Peter, what do you hope to achieve with the value system you've described today? Hmm. Well, I, I, I think I think peaceful, peace, peaceful time, Waffenstillstand, as the Germans are saying, or or disarmele long. We we need to sort of calm down a little bit on the words, on the actions. Europe is not an enemy. It's it's just somebody trying you know to make a living on this planet too like everybody else so and and in fact in this european union pursuing an ever closer integration is very similar to what the united states act is is, is doing as i have heard the last few days the aim is to create a more perfect union it may not be perfect but the objective is to make it more perfect and that's what you see in the European Union at the same time. We call it the ever closer integration, but it's the same logic. If we don't, if we don't move, we fall behind. That we know. I mean, that's an age-old adage already. Uh, so the, the value we hope to achieve is more calm and moving forward. And maybe here is a bureaucrat talking now and making a bit of a joke at the end, but uh, I think that would be a productive way forward. You know, what, what an incredibly inspiring conversation today, Peter. You've been forthright, as always. You've provided just such unique vantage points and insights for our global audience that I think everyone will appreciate, especially, especially at this moment. Thank you so much for joining us on IdeaGen TV. Before we let you go, though, I'd like to ask, what is your call to action for our global audience? And... How can we continue to be resilient as one? And how can our global audience ultimately find out more about the work you're doing at the EU delegation to the United States? My call to action, I, I, 
there is a question in my mind to which I have no answer, and maybe I can turn that into a call to action. I would like to challenge the thinkers out there to tell me and, and us, uh, idea Chen, to come back to us, to challenge the thinkers out there to find ways of cooperation which take us away from the usual thinking that the world has to look more like America or has to be or has to look more like Europe. Uh, that's that's a notion which is not going to work. That we know, but we haven't found what we want. So how how can American and European values help other countries around the world chart their own democratic course without necessarily having this pressure of looking more like America or more like Europe? And and how could that work? And I haven't really found an answer to that question, and I pledge our viewers if, if they have a view on that matter. Wow, what, what an incredible, incredible thought to think about, you know, those democratic values and principles of the United States and Europe. And, uh, you know, as a Greek American, we look back to the founding of democracy several thousand years ago now, and we say, gosh, you know, we, we live in this democracy in the United States of America today, and you see democracy in Europe, and, and what a question you're posing to our global audience. That's incredible. If uh, anyone uh, has a perspective on that, we welcome that. Uh, please reach out to us and or to Peter at the delegation, Minister Counselor for Digital Economy Policy at the delegation of the European Union to the United States. Peter Fadelnig, Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your empathy and civility. And thank you for being what we describe as dynamically resilient because you are that definition of dynamic resiliency. Thank you so thank much you for having me. IdeaGen TV presented globally by Microsoft, powered by Azure. Thank you.